God has had a way all along of guiding God's people and revealing God's will. And in the Old Testament, that particular guide that we know best is right there in the law. We find it in Deuteronomy and Exodus. It's called the Ten Commandments. So before we hear this text again, I want us to just remember those Ten Commandments and see what we hear of them in James 4, 1 through 12. So I'm not going to ask you to say them all. We'll just remember them together. So the first one, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any image, a graven image, in the heavens above, the earth below, bow down and worship any image of the Lord your God. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. In this OMG culture, I think we need to work on this one a lot. Keep the Sabbath of the Lord. Stop working every seventh day. Remember that God keeps the world going. Notice that these first four are about our relationship with God. The next six are about our relationship with one another. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. When Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commandments, or what is the greatest one of all, do you remember his answer? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And they go together, and they sum up all the law and the prophets, all of those ten commandments. Loving the Lord your God with all of who you are is connected to loving your neighbor, not speaking evil of one another. The way we treat one another is also hinged and connected to loving the Lord your God with all of who you are. So as I read James 4, 1 through 12 again, I want you to listen for any words you hear in here from the Ten Commandments, okay? Once again, James 4, 1 through 12. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is for nothing that the scripture says, God yearns jealously for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives all the more grace Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. 
Whoever speaks evil against another or judges another speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. So who then are you to judge your neighbor? So I heard three words in here from the Ten Commandments. Did you? What did you hear? Covet? Somewhat, but kind of referred or, or implied. But three words, I heard murder. Did you hear that? You shall not murder. At the very beginning, these cravings, these uh, disputes rather, and conflicts, do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And they actually did, the ones, that, uh, the ones to whom James is writing. You know, he wanted the kingdom of God to come in so rapidly that they were willing, the zealots, to kill for the sake of the kingdom. What else did you hear in the next line? Well, and you covet, I'm going to read the next line, and you covet something and cannot obtain it. So you engage in disputes and conflicts. So that coveting, that tenth one. Then there's another word, adulterers. Did you hear that one? With an exclamation mark. You are adulterers. Now, is he talking about being unfaithful to their particular husband or wife here? Now, I think there's a bigger adultery going on. And when you are in Scripture and reading books like Hosea, you see that the people of God are called into judgment when they wander away from God, like a wife would wander away from a bridegroom or a bridegroom from a wife. The people of God are God's wife, so to speak, Israel. And when they wander away and they are unfaithful, they are adulterers. So he's saying you have these cravings. You're kind of caught up in this shrink-wrapped vision that we saw earlier in the video around your own pleasures and your own perspectives. And you have cut yourself off from the larger connection to who God is. You aren't even praying. You aren't even asking God for what you need. And when you do ask, you aren't even asking for God's eyes to see what God sees. You're only asking to feed your own pleasures. Garth Brooks, at one point in his journey, he wrote a song called Unanswered Prayers. And he wrote that song after he was with his wife, and they bumped into a former girlfriend. And he remembered at the time that he was with this girlfriend, praying to God fervently that he would be with this woman the rest of his life. And he realized, you know, thank God for unanswered prayers. You know, that he was not with her the rest of his life. So we have this unhinging of our lives, this unhinging of the way we love one another, wandering away as adulterers from loving the Lord our God with all of who we are, friendship with God. And we end up often invisibly, without even knowing we're doing it, getting caught up in that you, that default personalization around our own perspectives, around our own pleasures. And there is the heart of the sickness, isn't it? This coming unhinged from that which is absolutely indispensable. Last week when you were in the verses going into James 4, you read the wisdom from above is pure and peaceable and gentle and willing to yield and full of mercy and good fruits without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. 
That is what God gives, those eyes to see and to love in a bigger way. What comes from the earth or from our captivity to sin is that which is all wrapped up around my perspective and my pleasure and what I want. So there has to be that first. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength, that friendship with God in order to have the loving your neighbor as you love yourself, loving your neighbor the way God loves us. Now, I want you to look at this passage. There are 10 imperative verbs. Do you know what imperative is? It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. And beginning of verse 7, I want you to look at these 10 imperatives with me. Got them up on the PowerPoint, too. Submit yourselves to God. That's the first one. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. These ways that are not the large ways of God, but these shrunken around yourself ways. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. The next five are about just lamenting and weeping over our adultery away from God. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Double-minded in that we think we can be friends with the world and friends with God. We can't have that shrink-wrapped captivity and be friends with God. Lament, mourn, weep, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Notice how out of these ten, I'm going to read one more in a moment, but these first nine are about our relationship with God. And then the last one, do not speak evil against one another. Then you have the love your neighbor. That speaking evil against one another, if we don't have those first nine, if we're not walking in humility and dependence and nearness to God, friendship with God, then we will set ourselves up as the lawgiver. We will set ourselves up as the decision makers about who's right and who's wrong. And it will all be based around what we see in our little personal bubble. It's absolutely dependent upon the first nine upon the first four in the Ten Commandments. Where does civility come from? It comes from above. It comes from this grace of God that comes to us in Jesus Christ, comes unsolicited by us to heal us, to open our eyes, open our ears, open our mouth, open us up to the largeness of God's incredible world and the diversity in it, and to lead us into those virtues of humility and integrity and patience and mutual respect and the fruits of God's Holy Spirit. Our default is not to go large. Our default in our captivity is to go small. It's to go around you. It's to build around me at the center. That is called sin. It is the way, the wisdom of the world. It is friendship with the world. And if we are not intentionally seeking those first nine imperatives, by default, we will go there. We will go small. So what do we do? To do those first nine, how do we pursue those? What do you actually do? that helps you 
to stay connected to loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to have friendship with God. I have several things that come to mind for me, but I'm wondering what comes to mind for you. What helps you? Prayer. Prayer. Yeah, that helps me too. What else helps you? Bible study, being in the Word. Not just when you're here in worship. To be in the Word regularly. To be shaped by that way that is so opposite of friendship with the world. It is a way that loves the people that don't like you and aren't nice to you. What else helps you? Prayer, the Word. Say that again. Nature, just being in God's creation and does that kind of lift up your eyes to the bigness of God? Yes, Maureen. 12-step meetings. 12 step meetings. Now, how does that help? So when you are kind of harboring resentment, you can see your part in that. I think of 12-step around these, the... Um, the lament, the mourning, I mean, they admit their brokenness and just the need for God and dependence on God. Fellowship, Fellowship being in community with other people, indispensable. This book is written to a community that is dependent upon one another. Fellowship and scripture. Fellowship and scripture. And also I'm going to add another one. I've put five up here and you've added some great ones yourself. Worship. Word, community, prayer, neighbor, love. To actually be engaged in those things, not just talking about them. Engaged in the ways that we are called to love one another. And in worship, we admit that God is the great lawgiver. God is the one who saves. God is the one who gives grace. This is where we do weep over our sins and hear God's word of mercy and healing and restoration. Well, this is what we need to do these things. We're not just asking the question, where does incivility come from? Though I think this passage speaks to that. When we are adulterously cut off from loving God, we automatically are going to shrink wrap the way we treat one another around ourselves. But more importantly, how do we move towards civility? And realizing that the grace to be humble, to be patient to have integrity, mutual respect, is something that comes from above. It is given in the gift of Jesus Christ. And we draw upon this all the time. And as we do, we become those people who are civil, who love like he loves. But we need to be practicing this friendship with God all the time. Right now, the kids went downstairs. No longer call it children's church. Do you know what it's called? Abide, the vine, where Jesus said, Abide in me, and I will abide in you, and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. So I want us to close by seeing a video, uh, a picture here, of a man who is a police officer in Southern California, who is one who abides, who abides in Jesus who has very intentionally practiced and practices friendship with God and what his life looks like in loving those who hate him.
just one block east of downtown Los Angeles is uh, one of the most dangerous, overlooked, marginalized places in the United States of America. And that's Skid Row. Uh, Skid Row is a place where horrible things happen all the time. Women and children are the most vulnerable to the crimes. But you also have gang members and drug dealers who sell drugs near rescue missions and uh, hinder efforts to help people in the area. This is where I work. This is where God called me to be. And I believe that with my whole heart. You know, the reality here is most people don't really like police officers. They're taught to hate us because they feel we're after them because of their social status or race or whatever. It's really hard to meet somebody you really want to help and have them reject you. Some of them hate my guts. And I really, truly, honestly care about them. I try to look at people the way I think God looks at people. And in spite of all our mistakes, God still loves us. So in spite of all the mistakes that a lot of the people in Skid Row have made, I want to show them that I love them and I want to help make their lives better. You got to get out of your car sometimes, remove your judgmental idea about who people are and what a good person should be, you know, and get out there and get to know these people because you'll find that even though some of them have a lot of problems, severe problems, mild problems, they're people. Let me feel them. There you go, that's it. That's the real deal right there. Look at you here. All right. Dion Joseph, call me Dion. They're told the police hate you, but I destroy that theory when I get out in that street because those folks will test you. If you say you care, they're going to hold you up to it. Okay, Joseph, you care? Put me in some housing. The Dion? Okay. Yes, oh, Dion. Yeah, if you're interested in some 90-day housing? Yes, yes. Okay. What I want you to do is Thursday... Go see my friend, she's, okay. a, she's a wonderful lady. Over time, the people see you for who you are, not what you are. They know I'm doing what I'm doing, not to harass them, but because I'm for them. All right? We'll do both. All right, ladies, take care. All right, hey, how are you? You know, you're a star. How you doing? Because you love this kid, Ralphie. I do, I do. Yeah get to know people on an individual basis. I know their names. I know when they've been sober. I know when they're high. People always ask me, how can you work here? How could you sit here all this time? My faith in God is what keeps me from packing up and leaving town. This is my assignment. It's like a driving force that keeps me having faith in this community. You know, that says, don't let them go yet, Dion. Don't let them go. <laughs>